0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, I wonder if I can just uh, interrupt uh, your dinner there, and we'll come to uh, uh, the first uh, formal part of the evening. I'm joined up here by uh, Michael Farmer, uh, our, who's kindly agreed to be uh, our guest this evening. He won't m- thank me for saying it. He, he's known as Mr. Copper uh, in some circles. I'm told that's because uh, he can ship as much as he's responsible for shipping as much as 20% of China's copper supplies. Uh, he's also the co-founder of Red Kite uh, Capital Management, and. Um, uh, last year was voted the most successful smaller hedge fund manager in the world. Uh, the, uh, the press will tell you that uh, overall, across the different funds involved, it's a 47% total return. That's more than my cash ISA uh, is getting at the moment, so I think that's quite impressive. Uh, Mike, thank you for talking to us this evening. We'll, um, we'll come to the Red Kite story uh, a little bit later. Uh, we've got about half an hour now. I'm under strict instructions not to, to go over that. Um, but just... Uh, uh, just to let us get to know you just a little bit, Just um, uh, you grew up in Kent, just, just tell us a little bit about your, uh, your background first.
1: Right, well, um, uh, firstly, it's good to be here. Um, background, sort of childhood, was not a particularly happy one, to be frank. Um, my father died when I was four, after the war. He was alcoholic, my mother was alcoholic. We, we had a, my sister and I had a pretty rough time, frank, frankly, so... Um, Boarding schools, sort of rather cheap boarding schools and brutal places, that sort of thing. But and less school at eighteen.
0: Okay, okay. Well, we'll uh, we won't. Uh, we won't ask you to relive all of that. Uh, but uh, uh, you're a family man now. Just tell us a little bit about your family. You're living in yep. London, uh, yep. and you've got a
1: family. Jenny, my wife's with me. Um, we've been married, I think, thirty-eight years. I better get it right. Um, thirty-eight years. We have three children. And uh, Ellie, our eldest, is a clinical psychologist. Um, she's married with two children. And Antonia, our second daughter, is married with a daughter, and they they live in Tokyo and work in a church in Tokyo. And George, my son, is a trainee copper trader working for me. He's he, he's left university and he's work, He worked for a bank first of all, and gave that up as a Dead end and, and started working for me.
0: Dare I ask if that's working out? It's an unfair question to no, it's, ask. No, it's working
1: out very well. He's, he's very keen and he, he thinks hedge funds are the place to be. Good, good.
0: Uh, so you're a family man, very much uh, as well, though, a city man. Yeah. And uh, you've been in the city about 50 years.
1: Uh, well, 50 years this September, actually. 50 yeah.
0: years this September, mm. okay. Uh, tell us how you started out in the city.
1: Well, my father had been a, mem- a, a director of the company um, before the war. It had been quite successful. And, and this company was a ring-dealing member of the Metal Exchange and said that when I left school, I could join as a clerk. And um, so I, I had nowhere else to go. So I, I, I joined as a clerk in 1963, um, eight pounds a week they paid me. and I eight had to work Saturday mornings as well. And I commuted in from Maidenhead. So there we go. Eight
0: pounds a week in yesterday's money. Okay. Uh, and um, and you, you enjoyed it. You, you benefited, I know, from, from one individual who sort of mentored you through those those early years.
1: Well, not a day, Strauss. I actually. Uh, the, the, there was a company on the Metal Exchange which sort of dominated trading. It was, a, it was a physical trading company, a merchant rather than a broker. And there was a man there called Manfred Koppelman who actually dominated the ring, did a lot of business with China, but was a physical trader. And he actually offered me a job uh, after I'd been uh, with Strauss for five years and I was actually trading in the ring at that time. I don't know if you know the ring, but it's a sort of open outcry market with these red seats and everybody shouts at one another. And um, in those days, it was the sort of partners that traded, but then it slowly became the younger people and I, and I was one of those. He then asked me to join him, put me in the ring in his place and stood behind me and gave me instructions.
0: Uh, and he, he was a physical trader in more ways than one, I believe. On well,
1: occasions. he was, he, well, he, it was, it was a sort of German Jewish firm and it was sort of, um, it was quite rough and tough actually. Um, there was an occasion on the exchange when I was trading and he would sort of le- lean down and go, sell him a thousand tons. And i go a thousand tons like this and he went, BANG! Not him, you idiot! And this was in front of the whole ring, you know. And um, being British, everybody sort of looks at the floor and goes red in the face and pretends not to notice. Um, but it was a bit like that.
0: Um, presumably in those days, no such thing as an HR policy. So no, it, no, no, no.
1: it really is old school. Yeah, it, it was. Fantastic. He, he, stopped, he really stopped communicating with me once for about six months because he thought I was a complete idiot, which I, I was, actually. I mean, I, I really didn't know much at all. But I stuck it out and, and, and learned, and it was a... A very good education.
0: Okay, okay. And um, what, back then when you were starting out, what was it that motivated you to to be successful and to push on in the city?
1: Well, it don't get in the beginning. It, it was a motivation just to survive, I think, frankly. Uh, and then it was, you know, you're, you're in the city, um, you're doing well, so you've got the career ladder, you've got money, you, you've got success, you've got prestige, you've got you know, promotion, et cetera. All those career path things which um, started to have an effect. And then um, I got married uh, at the age of 30. And of course, at that point, you, you take on sort of mature responsibilities. Yeah,
0: okay. And um, so you're a family man, uh, a city man. Uh, you're also a committed Christian. You're a committed member of a local church, not very far uh, from here. H- have you always been a Christian?
1: Uh, no, I became a Christian at the age of 35.
0: So what, what changed for you then, exactly?
1: Well, I mean, we were living in the country. I, I won't go into the whole details. of quite a long story. But there were a few things happening, one of which was our eldest daughter was on the way. And I, I did struggle to comprehend that this new person was coming into the world. And I was thinking about that. We lived in the countryside. There was a lot of you know, watching the seasons. We'd been there five years. Um, there, there are a few things going on. Um, we knew, we knew uh, a lady who's who was uh, having an unhappy time because her husband was having an affair. And actually, my wife asked our doctor, "How could we help her?" Because we didn't know how to help her. And he, though he wasn't a Christian, I don't think, actually said, "Try and encourage her to mix with people who go to church," which I thought was a very strange piece of advice. I came back from the city and I thought, oh, "What?" and um it is and, odd it, it is odd, odd. Yeah. And, and, but then i thought well they'll at least try to be kind and they'll at least try to be there are all these sorts of things going on and actually i i, I did have a bit of a Damascus road experience which was really a revelation that jesus christ was the son of god and, and when it was sort of like in front of my eyes all my life but i'd just I, i'd just seen it clearly and that if that was true then it changed everything mm. And, and it, it just changed the whole meaning of life, the whole meaning of everything. And the first thought that came to my mind was, if this is true, I have to learn. Mm. I have to learn him. Who is he? Mm. What's he done? What does he want? Etc.
0: And so how did you go about doing that?
1: Well, I started going to this funny little church in, in, the, in, in the country. It was December 79. Um, I worked in city. I had a sa- sandwich in a sandwich bar in Bishopsgate. And all of a sudden, I saw this chap coming in um, one day, a month later. I thought I recognized him. And then uh, he walked out again. I, I found out later he was just nervous. And um, he came in the next day, and he came up to me and said, haven't I seen you? And I said, yeah, where? And he said, in this little church. And I said, oh, yes, hi, how are you? You know. He said, did you know there's a church around the corner that teaches the Bible for 30 minutes? on a Tuesday lunchtime. I said, no, I didn't, but that's just what I want because I was thinking about God the whole time and I was thinking of all the sort of qu- questions we have and the meaning of everything and that was just what I wanted and I, and I started going there on a Tuesday lunchtime and I still go there on a Tuesday lunchtime.
0: So the whole shape of your life, I guess, began to change in in quite a big way. You're, you're, at this point, you're 16, 17 years into your, yep. your city career, you're, you're successful, things are, yep. are going well, but you've, you've become a Christian um, what did that mean for you in terms of work at, yeah. at the time?
1: Well, it, it's interesting. You look back, and certainly even today, I mean, the city is full of idols. And we, we it, it's, by and large, everyone bows down to the idols. It's very difficult not to bow down to the idols. You obviously have the, the idol of money. And, uh, you know, that is a very powerful idol which, which says to you, trust in me and I'll give you everything. Uh, I'll, I'll give you happiness, security, health, etc., and prestige. There's the, there's the idol of the, the company, the corporate idol, which is a very strong one where you're bowing down to that. And, I mean, frankly, in, 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 in the city, you know, you, you read in the Old Testament where Israel um, went after the gods of Moloch and, and in the end they sacrificed their children on the altar of Moloch. And you think, how awful disgusting and dreadful and and then you see in the city that particularly with men and I've been there myself where the company is just dominant, it is number one and um, wives and children are just pushed back and for instance you know, you're, you're, you've got a you're going out a special evening with your wife and all of a sudden the boss says well Michael could you stay on, there's a meeting we got this investor in." so First thing that comes to your mind, ring up your wife, sorry dear, I can't come home. And, you know, that happens so often. And in the end, you know, we end up sacrificing our own wives and and children on on the altar of the company God, frankly. And you see it in the city the whole time. So there were these gods that one was bowing down to. And I had to learn not to do that. And and that's quite difficult. It's very, very difficult. I mean, when I first became a Christian, I mean, one of my first prayers was, Lord, please don't let anybody on the metal exchange know I'm a Christian, you know, because it was just embarrassing, you know. I mean, there was Mike Farmer and oops, he's become a born again Christian. And, you know, and I, but actually in God's grace, he let everyone know that I was a Christian within about two years. So, and,
0: which is an answer to prayer of sorts, yeah. I suppose. Well, he
1: gave, he, he gave the right answer. I, I was praying yes. for the wrong answer. Yes. Yeah.
0: And why was that? Just articulate for us the the sort of the concern, the worry about people knowing that you've become a Christian.
1: one's embarrassed, I think. Um, And and actually, one of the verses that hit me when I first started reading the Bible was in Mark's Gospel, where Jesus says, um, if anyone comes after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. And at the end of that paragraph, he says, um, uh, and anyone who is ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of him. Mm. When I come with my holy angels, and there was, I just thought, like this—you know—I am ashamed mm. of him. I don't, you know, I don't want to admit him. And I must admit that even today, you know, y- you get challenged with certain things, and you think, "Oh, well, I'll just keep my mouth shut." Mm. And that's the same as being ashamed. Yeah.
0: You know. yeah. So, still, still not easy today no, to, it's, it's, to be a Christian in the city. Yeah. 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 It is. Okay, uh, so at this point you're, you're 35, uh, things are going well, you're already successful by most people's uh, standards, I guess. Uh, and now you've found God, uh, which presumably means you're either perfect uh, or having a midlife crisis, I guess, depending on which way you, you, you come at it. Um, just tell us a bit about how things progressed then career-wise from, from there, sort of through the, the, the 1980s, the 1990s.
1: Well, I mean, first, of just coming back to the point that I, I was a Christian. Uh, I was at Fibro Salomon. I went back to Manfred Koppelman, actually, who was then been taken over by Fibro Salomon. They were the largest commodity trader in, in the world at that time.
0: And he was talking to you now. He was,
1: in fact, yeah, he wanted me back. But he was retiring. And, in fact, in the end, I took over from him in charge of base metals. And um, there was an occasion there where the chairman of the company asked me to go on this board which was the 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 trading board global trading board in charge of base metals which was a huge promotion a huge you know i mean it was you know you, there there was hardly any higher place to go it was great you know and i and i thought to myself i was you know the obvious answer would have been yes but i just there was a warning bell in the back here saying you know hang on hang on hang on think about it and i went home and i prayed and um in the middle of the night i was thinking about it and i thought I have to tell him I'm a Christian. I'll do it, but I have to tell him I'm a Christian, and that there are, there are things more important than the company. There are more important than money. And so the next morning, I mean, it was, he was these Jewish guys in New York, and um, I said, Marty, I'll do the job and I'll try and do it well, but you need to know something that I'm a Christian, and that means that. God is more important, and my family is more important, and then there comes work. So just bear in mind, you know, weekends and other things, I will say <coughs> no. Now on that basis, you can offer me the job or not. And so he, he, he still did. But, the, there was that sort of battle going on within one, you know, you're working hard, but you're not doing everything for <coughs> money and for the company, you're actually working, you're, you've got this Christian background, the whole time. Prayer, Bible study, meeting with other Christians, which is what I tried to do in the week. Sprinkle throughout the week, there'll be a little prayer group or there'll be a Bible study group, something which would pull you out and say, actually, hang on, there is a creator, I am a creation, and there are more important things than money and the company.
0: So if I can just push you on that a little bit, you would go as far as to say then that in that conversation, as you set out your priorities and said, look, I'm a Christian, this is, this is how life now works for me. If that hadn't been acceptable, you'd have walked away from that offer, would you?
1: Well, I would, uh, I wouldn't have got the offer, um, but I wouldn't have taken it, no. And, and, I mean, spiritually, it would, would you know, I mean, there were, I wouldn't say, I mean, they were worldly, you know, I mean, you know. Drinking in yeah. late nights with clients in all sorts of places and that sort of thing. You know, well, actually, what I found, one of my advices to young Christians in the city is do raise your profile. Say you're a Christian. Because actually, if you're standing there with Christ, he will protect you. And he does protect you. Mm-hmm. He protects you from, from yourself, actually, mm-hmm. often.
0: Okay. And... um uh Fast forward just a little bit then, uh, so it, it's 1999, all the graphs are going up, the, the FTSE 100's touching 7,000 points, everyone's winning it seems, and um, uh, Enron come into to the
1: picture. Yes, um, yeah, we, we'd, I'd left Philip Brothers in 1999 uh, and, and started up this company backed by a German company, and they'd done quite well, and they decided to float us. They put a brokerage company together with this merchanting company. I was the manager director of the merchanting company. There was another chap. Put us together for MG PLC. We, I mean, I'd never done that sort of stuff. I'd been a copper trader, really. And then we had Lazards and Casanoves and Freshfields and you know all these wonderful people all around us, uh, terribly clever, and going on road shows and everything else. And we actually floated on the London Stock Exchange, which was actually quite an achievement for a metal trading company. And um, so we didn't do terribly well to begin with. The share price started going like this. And, um, and then we had an approach, uh, and the approach was from Enron, and they paid 60% premium to the float price cash for us. They wanted us to put metals on Enron online, really. Uh, but they, they, were, they were powerful in natural gas and energy, but they didn't have metals.
0: So presumably at that point you could have retired, if not before,
1: well, I had, I had agreed to work for them for three years. Okay. okay. And, uh, I mean, actually I was, their office was, um, just behind Buckingham Palace and I didn't live there far away. I could walk there. It was a state of the art office. It was a brilliant place to work. They called themselves Masters of the Universe sort of thing. Um, I, frankly, after six months, I was walking through Eaton Square to their office and I was praying, Lord, could you remove me from here? But I was ob- obligated to stay there for three years. What I didn't realise was quite how he was going to remove me from there. Mm. Which uh,
0: he, he which, removed more than just you, I think. He well, pretty he did. Much removed the whole thing. I he sure think. did. Um, yeah. And uh, um, so, just uh, just just backtracking uh, just a step. Then, I, presumably, therefore, there's a bit. It's a little crass to talk about, but there's a big payday. Personally speaking, uh, a cash offer, sixty percent premium it must be tempting to walk home and think i'm there i'm 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 impregnable
1: well <laughs> i would never think that i mean but certainly as a christian i mean this is this is the wonderful thing about the bible it actually says my word is a, a lamp for your for your feet it will guide you through life it talks a lot about money um i mean Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. It can be used for good or used for bad. And I think as a Christian, you just recognize to begin with that relationships are what are, what is important. First of all, that relationship's important. And then you start getting these relationships important. And we'd, we'd just been blessed with that from hardly knowing anybody before we were, we, I mean, I don't know how many people we know now, but um, thousands literally. And it's a huge blessing. And so you, you actually recognize the warnings that Jesus says about money. I mean, what is money? I mean, shrouds don't have pockets, and, you know, sooner or later, I, I'm, I'm going to fall off my perch, and, and anything I've got here is left behind. Yeah, okay. Um, so, I mean, I, I, there's that famous story of Rockefeller, you know, when he, the richest man in modern history by a long way, and after he had died, they had the lawyers and everybody going over the will, and all the press were outside, and... And they, the lawyer came out and said, how much did he leave? How much did he leave? He said, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it.
0: Um, and you had good Christian friends around you at the time, to, yeah, yeah. Uh, and still do, who have yeah. helped to keep you yeah, grounded yeah. In, in your thinking. You keep on, things on that.
1: in perspective. And that's one of the strengths of also praying every week, meeting other Christians, growing, teaching the Bible, being taught the Bible. Yeah. Um, and actually, it is a relationship with Christ. You are praying every day. One of my prayers... Today, Lord, protect me from myself. I mean, I, I know what myself is like. I mean, I bow down to the God of money. I bow down to the God of prestige, given half a chance. But actually, he does protect us. Yeah. yeah. So even as a Christian of some years now,
0: yeah. uh, you're not immune to to the temptation to greed and to, to wanting more and, and those things. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. And um, uh, Enron then all begins to sort of unfold. Yeah. Uh, Arthur Anderson disappears, the big five become big four, and, uh, and so on. Uh, you were kept on there. Just tell, tell us briefly. You, you were kept yeah, well, on Crest to help un- out the
1: employed me, uh, actually, for which they paid me a de- decent amount. As, as the administrators to, yeah, they, to unwind to it to sort out part of the mess. I was there for about n- nine months, and then I was thinking what to do. So as a Christian, I was thinking, well, should I go and work in a church? Should I pack it all up? Uh, actually, I did a theological course, a Bible study course called Cornhill Training Course um, which I knew David Jackman who ran it and I asked him you know, will you take an old <clears> guy because <throat> it's all these young students, people like you and other people and, uh, and uh, he said yes so there I was all of a sudden riding my bike across London and mixing with penniless students and um, <laughs> which was great for, for two years, I, it, was, it was just great, I, I, I loved it and
0: It's the obvious next step for a metal trader yeah, well, I'm, sure, I'm sure, I'm
1: <laughs> sure but I still didn't know what to do at the end of it. And frankly, yes. I thought, well, do I go and work in a church? And it didn't seem to, it just didn't seem to, <coughs> the, the doors didn't open. Mm. And then my partner in the, in the old company, who was a Christian, came to me and said, well, shall we do something together? He wasn't happy where he was. And that's when the whole idea of a hedge fund came about. We tried various other things, but we, we did fit into the hedge fund model. Yes. So in '04 we did all the preparatory work and then we started trading in 05. Yes.
0: So that was the, the formation of Red Kite yeah. and, um, uh, I realize obviously you'd, uh, you'd be very happy not to talk about it, but you've enjoyed phenomenal success, uh, with Red Kite, uh, but a few stories to tell along the way uh, as well. Um, just, just tell us a little bit about the growth and then yeah. uh, some of the, the scary moments along yeah. the way.
1: I, mean, I, would, I would just underline um, trading commodities and trading metals and trading copper is, is extremely stressful. I mean, it's hugely volatile and um, it is extremely stressful. I mean, we actually started Red Kite. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple of numbers. we $25 million Uh, investment money so it was very small and um, there were four of us but this wasn't our money this was other people's money Uh, well there was some of our money in it, but there were four of us and we rang around all our consumer friends producer friends the Chileans the Chinese and everything else and Goldman Sachs was saying there's a wall of copper coming and copper's going to go from $3,000 to $2,000 and we rang around and there was no copper anywhere and we couldn't find any copper anywhere and the Chinese were short and we thought whoops this is, this is all wrong. So actually we went long and we went sort of long before short and um, we were shipping around the place as well. And anyway, the thing went, I mean it just, it just broke through all the previous highs. It went from 3,000 to 5,000 in the first year, from 5,000 to 9,000 in 06. And so we went from 25 million dollars under management to 2.7 billion at the end of 06. And, and so you can see we've it, it gone like a rocket. However, asking for experiences at that time because we've been so successful you know one didn't realize that one was actually creating a stir in the market and there were these hedge funds in new york that actually found out about our positions through a investor who just talked about the returns and we had returned 12 in november and the market hadn't really moved and but they could tell from the spreads that what our positions were and then in January 07, we were attacked. There were about three, three hedge funds colluding together, and they attacked us. They, I, I won't go into the detail of it, but they, they just moved the market so that our valuations went horribly against us, and we, we were down 30% in 12 days. Now, if you work 30% out of 2.7 billion, it's a lot of money. And I was sleeping one hour, one hour a night. I mean, it was horrendous. And what was I doing? I was praying, Lord, what is this? Help, what is this? You know, stop it. And I was thinking, it's because I'm a Christian, because I'm, I'm teaching the Bible. It's a, it's a satanic attack. And I was all these thoughts were going through my head. And then I asked our minister in the city, I said, could you pray? And he said to me, Michael, he said, Michael, you know God is sovereign. He is, he is sovereign. He knows all that's happening. He, he knows what's going on. And, and then he had referred me to these verses where Paul, the Apostle Paul, is talking about this thorn in his side. And he pleaded with God for the thorn to be removed. And God said to him, to stop me from being elated, the thorn is left there, so that my strength is shown through your weakness to stop me from being elated, he was sort of saying. And I went, ah, ah. So it's my Father in heaven who is good and is giving me a good thing. And actually, what am I? I'm proud. Here I am. Just rocketed up, thinking I'm I'm the great Mike Farmer, and actually it was an extremely humbling experience, but an extremely good experience. I mean, I look back and and humility, um, well, certainly getting rid of pride is enormously important. And God worked that painful experience in my life to do that, and I'm very thankful that He did. And one of the things I say to my investors when they invest the money is, I said, you know, you you ask the risk, what's the risk in this company? We've got a risk department, they've got risk parameters, and they've got VAR and all this other stuff. And I said, you know what the biggest risk is? It's my pride. It's me saying I'm right and everybody else is wrong. And I've seen it time and time again. You've all seen it. You've read about it in the newspapers. And that's what he, he humbled me. And I'm very glad he humbled me. And I pray that he'll always humble me because what am I? I'm I'm just a creature, and and all glory goes to him.
0: And so presumably, in in very extreme terms, it was very clearly apparent that the Lord could take it all away. Absolutely. Take it
1: all away. And he could take it away at any time. One's whole attitude to money. You know, in the old days, as well as a Christian, it was probably like that, right? But as a Christian, you're You're, you're fully aware. And and one of my prayers, albeit reluctantly, (coughs) is, Lord, if it's going to damage me spiritually, take it away. I sort of pray it reluctantly. I say, it would be better if you don't, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he might. <laughs> you know, he might. And, and if he does, so be it. I mean, I've only got so many days of life here. And one of these days, I'll be with him, and I'm not going to take it with me. So one just trusts him. And he is my father. He's a good father. He loves me, and he gives me good answers. The Lord Jesus is my shepherd, and he is the good shepherd.
0: So you went to the market, swallowed your pride. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I actually went to the enemy first of all, and um, offered to do a deal. I mean, which was talk, talk about eating humble pie, and he just played with me. But then I and he said, "Well, oh, I'm sorry, Mike, I like, like the positions." And then I went to an investment bank in the city, and said, "I want to do. I, I, had, you know, I, I don't have to, but I want to do a big deal. Will you do it? Fixed price." They came back at a big discount. Well, it was a discount of four percent of the value of the fund. <clears throat> And I had this moment where I went, oh, I can't do it. But in the end, I just did it. And that, thankfully, all the ratios fell into place. And one was deeply wounded. I mean, the, yeah. the fund was wounded. Yeah. But, you know, one survived. I gave, our, the partners gave back to our investors um, 60% of the fees they paid for the previous year. And, and that was a move which... You know, looking back, God guided us in. And in fact, a lot of investors said, you know, if you hadn't done that, we wouldn't have yeah. been with you. Yeah.
0: Uh, but then bro- broadly speaking, since then, performance has g- generally been good, <sighs> would that be fair to say? And you've,
1: you, you, yeah, you, you, by and large, we've kept our heads above water.
0: Yeah. And um, uh, uh, strong strong performance the last couple of years, uh, January 11, January 12, um, most successful smaller hedge fund manager in the world, that sort of thing. Uh, um, it's a little crass to talk about these things, Mike, but, but forgive me. It's helpful, though, sometimes just to put some numbers on it. Uh, the Sunday Times Rich List last year puts you at £120 million, uh, up, I think, from uh, the year before. Can a Christian be that wealthy? H- how can you reconcile being a Christian with holding that sort of wealth?
1: Well, um, I am a Christian, and I do. Okay. Uh, LAUGHTER so, that, so that's a simple answer. Uh, one prays about it, okay? I mean, the, the whole area of giving, uh, in Ephesians it says, God sprinkles works in your path to do. And He certainly sprinkled lots of works in my wife and I, my, my path, what to do. Um, and, you know, one is involved with lots of things. So actually one does give, uh, uh, you know, one gives. Um, uh, on the other hand you don't blow your trumpet about it I mean the bible very much is saying don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing which is basically saying don't go and trumpet yourself abroad so you get a big head about it Um, I mean some of that wealth a lot of that wealth is tied up in in the company so it's not easily accessible but one prays about it and one prays to be a good steward Mm. and the whole time one is if you like, wrestling with that. I do find with giving, um, and because I have publicity, I have an awful lot of requests, almost daily, frankly, and you, you sort of crumple under it some, some, sometimes. But I pray. And what I find with giving is that it you work hard to earn it, but actually it's hard work giving it away because you have to have a spirit of discernment and I try and give to Christian things. Yeah. And, and, and it is hard work. And it, it's also a responsibility because mm-hmm. once you start giving, you're often tied in to give sure. year after year yeah. after year.
0: Um, and I won't push you on the giving further. I know you'd prefer uh, not to talk about it. But the, the wealth clearly brings with it great responsibility. But I guess, and uh, uh, we must wrap up in a moment, for some here, it, it would be easy to think Michael Farmer, you, you, what does he need? It, you're bomb-proof, you have it all. Uh, as a Christian, how do you answer that, uh, th- th- that comment?
1: Well, if I have it all, I, I've also, in the last year, uh, I have rheumatoid arthritis all over the place as well. <clears throat> so um, it's just a little reminder that, you know, uh, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 90. In fact, I love Psalm 90. It's the Psalm of Moses. <clears throat> But uh, Psalm 90, verse 12 says, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may have a heart of wisdom. And by and large, I try and remember that verse every morning and just say, today is a gift from the Lord. And thank you, Lord, for today. I may not get to the end of it. I might be knocked off my bicycle or whatever, you know, I might have a heart attack or whatever. Who who knows? But just today is a gift. And once you get that in perspective, you recognise everything as a gift from the Lord, so you just live with the Lord. I, I try and cling to Him in that experience in '07. He made me cling to Him. There was nothing else I could do. It was a horrible nightmare, and and but it's a great spiritual experience when you've got nothing else but the Lord, and sometimes He will put Christians in that place, and actually it, it's a good place to be. So, just each day I live with with the Lord, recognising that it might it might be my last. And that puts everything else in perspective. I mean, if it's my last, you know, what's everything else? What's the money? What's prestige? What's anything? You know? yeah. The most important thing is that eternity is with God Almighty, and 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 we have this promise, you know, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You can't earn eternal life. I can't do anything say, look, I'm worth it. He, he actually offers it as a gift. All I do is receive it and say thank you and live in that, a life of gratitude for that. And that's what I try and do. Not always very successfully, but by prayer. You know, one tries to do it. Yeah.
0: Mike, thank you very much. Uh, we're out of time, okay. uh, I'm oh, afraid. Fine. Michael, thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Thank you.